Hey everybody, this is one of your hosts, Amanda, jumping in at the top of this mini so to just say, if you guys stay tuned until the end, you'll actually hear a trailer for my new podcast, Skip to the Gay Parts, that I'm really excited to premiere to you all. The trailer is now available on Spotify and SoundCloud, and we're hoping to get on Apple Podcasts soon. But yeah, stay tuned until the end of the mini to hear a short trailer for that new podcast. Quick into it, this is Luck We Had, a Shameless Recap Podcast. This is our mini-sode, but we have breaking news from Lena. A description of episode 10 just came out? Yeah, weirdly enough. Oh, wait, no, all of the, all of the, the, the new, uh, okay, okay. Should we, should we, like, go episode to episode? Because I found six through ten. Ooh. Yes. Wait, hold on, I'll read, I'll read the sixth one that you, that you sent us, and then you can read the other ones you have in front of you. So episode six, which is supposed to air on Valentine's Day, is do not go gentle into that good, uh, screw it. It is fucking stupid how much is in this episode. A surprising twist of fate has left the Milkoviches vulnerable, forcing Ian and Mickey to step in to help. Frank's day takes some unexpected turns, and Liam deals with inner turmoil doing a bad thing. Debbie confronts Sandy and their relationship, while Carl enjoys the spoils of his day off. Lip and Brad seek revenge on the newborn free owners, all while Lip is forced to figure out a plan for his future. While Kev runs the bar via his class parent at school, but elementary school looks a little different these days. What the fuck? is all like that's too much it's too too much much. they they know how to drop a storyline when it means dropping ian and mickey out of it but no one else they can drop their storyline out for a week to take a fucking break yeah this is uh this is a lot okay episode seven two at a biker bar one in the lake the gallaghers disagree on the fate of their childhood home so a stranded frank tries to get back to weigh in on the matter okay so something's going on with the house uh, realizing that they have none, Ian and Mickey embark on a journey to find gay friends. Who came to their wedding then? <laughs> yeah, who were- Hey, queens! Like, who were they? Who were they? Not their gay friends, I guess. Carl is upset after his night with Tish, which we don't know who Tish is yet, and Debbie and Sandy have another visitor from Sandy's past. Lip and Brad get ready to sell stolen bikes- so that's probably their revenge. Uh, while Kevin has to think fast when he's spotted riding a stolen chopper, like a, a motorcycle. Veronica hopes to pass the rent control bill with Liam's help, but receives some unexpected news. Every second of Kevin that isn't working against the Milkoviches is a waste of fucking time. It's a waste of time. Or just like being in the bar. Because it's like, or just like being in the bar or working with Veronica. It's like when you give Kevin his own storyline, it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> Like, when it's not integrated with what's also happening with V, like, V's storyline is so interesting and Kev's over here just being stupid, wasting time. No, I hate that. Okay, episode eight called Cancelled. Frank and Liam compete in a renaming contest of the Dennis Hastert Middle School. Debbie has a day of zero responsibilities while Ian and Mickey take on all the responsibility for Terry. Why? This is frustrating me. Why are why are Ian and Mickey the ones who have to, that's like that's just rude. <laughs> there are eight thousand Milkoviches in that house. There's why is it on Ian and Mickey? Million Milkoviches across the world. Send Terry to one of them. Ian and Mickey are busy. <laughs> I think okay, but maybe what they're trying to do is get on Terry's good side so that he'll leave the house to them when he dies. It's not his house. Didn't I think they're gonna kill the old lady? Because Frank tried to, but I don't think he did, right? Yeah, she's like on her deathbed right now. I mean, Frank pulled the plug, but she didn't die. Veronica is depressed about her mom moving, so Kevin tries to cheer her up, all while planning a special surprise. 
Carl is put on Vice Squad, which is all fun and games until it's not. And Lip has a close encounter with the law, which forces Lip and Tammy to team up and sends Brad into a spiral. Oh, wait, there's two more. There's two more. There's two more. I have episode nine and episode 10. Episode nine, Survivors. Frank wants to pull one last heist with the old gang. Debbie struggles with the idea of change and blames Lip, while Lip and Brad find out that the new owners of Born Free are in the mob. Great. So you're telling me those two little white twinks are in the mob? <laughs> Great. What? Because that's a necessary storyline to bring in two episodes before your series ends forever. That that makes no sense. (laughs) Well, and there's like all of this stuff about like change. And it's like, what is going on? Okay. Mickey and Ian learn a surprising truth about Terry's past. And Liam tries to find a new place to live. Watch them, watch them turn Terry gay. Watch them turn. They're going to do the gay thing with Terry. They're going to do the gay thing with Terry. And it's going to be like, oh my God, he was a homophobe. He was gay the whole time. God damn it. The lazy ass Stop writing. Stop trying to fix Nazis. They're Nazis. The way that this show is so casually, um, like, anti-Asian, anti-Semitic. Like, it's like, oh my god. Can you guys just, like, chill out for two seconds? Okay, uh, there's more. Um, Veronica reluctantly helps her mom move to Louisville while Kevin is forced to watch Gemma and Amy while running the alibi all on his own. Carl is put on the eviction unit and reunited with an old partner. And then episode 10, which just came out, uh, called DNR. Lip has a million projects going on and Frank is one of them. Liam is forced to watch Frank. So the two of them embark on a journey to take down Liam's classmate in an effort to get Liam into STEM school. Carl's disillusionment with the police force comes to a head. Debbie embraces the next chapter of her life and hunts for a new place. Mickey and Ian toy with the idea of the West Side. Kev meets Veronica in Louisville in a last-ditch effort to convince Carol not to move. Watch Kevin V move to Louisville. Mickey and Ian are gonna- Uh, Right? Because it's like, they're gonna get their own place. Debbie's gonna get her own place. Lip and Tammy are gonna find somewhere to live. But it's like, what the fuck is gonna happen to Liam? Ian and Mickey toy with the idea of the West Side. I like that they're like, we're, we can't be North Side. That's not going to happen. And we're not going to travel too far out of Chicago. But the West Side, we could do the West Side. I like that. I'm I'm really curious because it seems like the, the Gallagher house is just like not going to be in the picture because it's like Debbie's looking for a place. Or you know what? Carl might take it. I'm thinking maybe watch Lip and Tammy take over and they're like, listen, guys, I think we're all going to move in, blah, blah, blah. So I'm guessing they're like kicking Debbie to the curb or something. Because from what it seems like, maybe uh, Fiona did give it to Lip. I mean, yeah, Lip and Tammy don't have a place to live at the moment. So like, it would make sense that they were going to move back in anyway. If they just take the house, they're the one with a kid. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe they're, maybe they'll take the house. Maybe that's why Debbie's like blaming Lip for change, quote unquote. Yeah, Mickey and Ian get their own place. Debbie's going to get her own place. Maybe, but Sandy, they're writing Sandy out. So I was going to say like maybe with Sandy, but they're writing her out. You said uh, it seems then, like she's being written out after what, episode eight? Maybe episode 10. I don't even Yeah, I think it might be episode eight. That's so annoying. What's the one that I read that was like, they get another visitor from Sandy's past? Her husband, I think. I don't know. It's like, it's like, where is Carl going to live? Where's Liam gonna live? Like, who, like, the Liam is like, I'm a little fucking kid. I'm a little fucking kid. And nobody's watching him. And he's trying to find somewhere to live on his own. Yeah. He's a little, he has a little fucking kid. I'm thinking if everybody else moves out, Lip, Lip, Tammy, Fred, Carl, and Liam staying in the house makes sense. Yeah, but like, then it's like, what is the deal with Debbie not, because it's like, okay, but the house has enough room for Debbie. There's not enough for Freddie, Franny, Liam, Carl, 
Lip and Tammy and Debbie to all have their own. That's six rooms. There aren't six rooms. Maybe if Kevin Veronica moved to Louisville, somebody will take their house. Maybe. Let's not pretend any of this is going to make any sense in the next couple episodes. No, and it's literally going to be like, we're all going to be sitting here like, what happened? (laughs) We're all like a beautiful mind trying to put this shit together. No, they're throwing paintballs at the walls and seeing what the fuck it looks like when they're done. They're trying to topple Supernatural as the most homophobic gay show to ever exist. And if they do that Terry thing, they will succeed. So, yeah, like we said at the beginning, this is The Luck We Had, a shameless recap podcast, the mini-soda edition, and as you already heard, the lovely voice of our of our returning reigning guest, Lena, and beautiful co-host Evan, and myself, co-host Amanda, we are all here to talk about, uh, you know, how shameless airs, like, once a fucking month now, um, so we're here once a month to talk about that episode, because we're not talking about the Hall of Shames, because especially the Liam Carl Debbie one was fucking boring as hell. So, they're not worth our time. I only care about Liam. Uh, but 11.05. What? I forgot the title of 11.05 already. It was called Slaughter. Yes, thank you. 11.05 Slaughter, which aired on January 31st. And now it is February 6th, and the new... No, new, no new episode is happening this week, because the fucking football man has to play football on, on a big bowl. It's, there's no... Damn, yeah. that's gonna fucking suck. <laughs> but the puppy bowl is on, so it's fine. It's literally fine. But eleven oh five, let's let's talk about it because all those other episode descriptions are giving me stress. Uh, do we want to do the thing like we just go down the characters and see what the fuck they did this episode? I broke it up uh, by Kevin V, Kevin Frank V, Debbie, Franny, Sandy, Carl, Lip, and Tammy, Ian, and Mickey, and then Liam. So let's start with the Kevin Frank storyline, which is still at this point in 1105, still an interesting storyline. They're going to war with the Milkoviches. We're just going to pretend like an old lady has lived in that house forever when Jimmy, Steve literally bought it and then gave it to Tony and an old woman has never at any point lived there. I don't know. I literally like... They don't even know. They're like, um... Like, before Jimmy Steve bought it, they called it, like, Old Man Whoever's Place. And then Mm -hmm. Jimmy Steve bought it. And then he gave it to Tony. Yeah, and, like, where's Tony? And we literally saw Tony in it. We literally saw Tony living in it. In season two. Yeah, or didn't he have, like, his, like, like, live-in girlfriend and they were like, oh, that's, like, his second or third one or something? Yeah, that was in season two. But then it was like, maybe I guess you could argue that he like moved out because then when ian saw him in season six he like acted like he hadn't seen him in forever yeah but they're acting like an old lady has lived in that house forever that that has been her yeah and like literally in the first episode they were like oh old man died like last march so we're neighbors now like we're next door neighbors now shameless does not watch the shameless writers don't watch shameless no they don't they just don't they don't even read their own scripts. That's what I was <laughs> going like, to say. Like, that's how I am. Like, I always talk shit on, like, Riverdale and stuff like that. Like, the writers need to sit down, watch their whole series before they write the new script for the new season because they forget everything. Or just at least, like, I don't know, like, just read something. Put a whiteboard on the wall. Like, everything can be solved with a whiteboard on the wall. If that's literally the slogan. Mega minds can just have been watching the show... <laughs> For less time than the writers have been writing it, and we know more than the people who are supposed to be giving us the information we need. (laughs) And it's like, you could call us biased and be like, oh, they only know about, like, no, I know about every single goddamn character. 
and I know all of their little plot lines and intricacies. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that you're right just because you're writing it, you're so wrong. (laughs) We're not the only ones who noticed it either. In a bunch of like shameless Facebook groups, people are like, hold on, wait a minute. Didn't Jimmy buy that house? Like, everybody's like, like, hold on. It should say something when the Facebook people are saying something. (laughs) No offense if any Facebook people are listening to this podcast. Thank you for your But it's just like casual viewing. Casual viewers are like, what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, Twitter stands and us crazy asses can tell anything. (laughs) But if someone who's a, a, a casual viewer notices there's a fuck up, that's on the shameless writers. But yeah, so Kev was giving me Mickey energy in this entire episode and I lived for it. Like, I can't explain it, but the way he said like Tom and Kermie and the way he like beckoned Frank to come with him, it was Mickey energy. Mm -hmm. It's the command of the room. And uh, there's even more evidence in this storyline that Frank is losing his shit. And good to know, Frank draws the line of who sucks as people at white supremacists. Like when the kids in the print shop are like, there's a rally. Frank's like, this neighborhood's going to shit. Like, mm, yeah. good to know you draw the line at Nazis. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> well, and and like, now that we have the episode descriptions and everybody's like, we have to watch Frank. It's like, okay, maybe they're finally leaning into this. Hopefully. Yeah, because it seemed like um, this episode, I feel like compared to like the last couple episodes, he, it didn't seem like he was losing it too much. Like definitely there was still like illusion that there's something going on with Frank, but these, this episode didn't seem like it was too in your face. Cause like the other episode, he like literally re-gave in the plan they just did. And that was like a big, like, y- you good, Frank? But this one, it just seemed like he was just stumbling over his words than actually like forgetting things unless I'm missing a scene that I don't remember no yeah it was just general kind of vibes of like he was not all there he wasn't very present yeah like props props to Bill Macy for sure yeah but anyway the V storyline uh I really enjoy the V storyline she's trying to register back black voters in the south side it's awesome and some people that are viewers of the show are complaining that This is shameless claiming that there aren't a lot of black people in the South Side. But no, this is a story shining a light on the gentrification of a previously very black neighborhood of the South Side going like, there used to be way more black people here, but then gentrification pulled in and now black people can't afford to live here anymore. So so V is trying to get all these black people to come vote, but she can't fucking find any. Yeah. And then that last lady pissed me off. I was like, I can't do this, actually. (laughs) It made me really sad because it just seemed like this episode, especially towards, like, POC and, like, the black characters or whatever, it was just, like, really, like, like, I don't know. They just got the worst butt of the storylines. Like, V was so frustrated. She was just trying to do her part. And don't even get me started on Liam. (laughs) Don't even get me started on that poor boy. (laughs) We'll get to poor baby Liam. But oh my god, I just wanted to protect him. Sorry, the Hall of Shame for Frank just came out. Oh, the description? What is it? Uh, After a lifetime of scheming to beat the system and support his many vices, Frank Gallagher, the irresponsible, unemployable patriarch of the Gallagher clan, is visited by the ghosts of his past, present, and future. People are saying they think that that, uh, there might be some- Monica? Monica returning. And the the Fiona Hall of Shame also just came out. 
Do you want to Sure, yeah, what it's saying? Yeah. So it looks like Fiona is not going to return. Uh, Fiona, Fiona, Fiona. In interviews for a reality dating show, the Gallaghers reminisce about their beautiful, tough-as-nails sister who for so many years kept the lights on and a roof over their heads. So Fiona's going on a reality dating show and they're interviewing her family? That's what? so fucking dumb. Oh my God. They couldn't have just said, oh, one of us just got off a call with Fiona and then just talk about her for an episode. Like, no, I, yeah, they couldn't have just been like, oh, like sit in the kitchen. Like someone's like, I miss Fiona or like, hey, it's Fiona's birthday today. Should we call her? Like, come on guys. That's killing me. It's so stupid. Why do they in every sense Every time when the choice is something that makes sense or something fucking dumb, they go for something fucking dumb. It's the changing of the show to a comedy. Knowing our Fiona. Fiona would not just like roll up on a fucking dating show. What? Like, if anything, you could make the argument that like her and Jimmy, they could be like, oh my God, did you hear like Fiona got back together with Jimmy? Didn't you say that there was... A conspiracy or illusion that Jimmy Steve is returning or is that he's listed on the IMDB but that has happened a few times throughout the series and it never amounted to anything yeah because also like anybody can edit it oh true 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 and if they use an old clip of him in any part of the episode they can credit him in the episode on IMDB ah gotcha gotcha but that's stupid I can't do this anymore actually speaking of things that are fucking dumb Debbie the Debbie Franny Sandy storyline. Franny can have anything she wants forever. Literally, She's Franny is the angel. only Gallagher now. <laughs> no, Liam. Le- okay, Liam, Liam and it's the I Liam. want a Liam and Franny show. Thank you. Franny can have whatever she wants for the rest of her life. I love her. Debbie's a stalker. And it's, she's weird and she's the worst. And I hate this for her. Sandy and Franny interacting. Cutest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Cutest thing just, I've ever seen. Sandy. Sandy, Sandy, something about her. <laughs> Especially Franny loving, like, a female wrestler. Oh my god, I love this. And then we find out Sandy is living in her car. She's living in her car. Like, my thing is, is that I understand being, like, her being embarrassed and all this stuff. But I'm like, first of all, you're a Milkovich. You live on the south side. Like, I didn't understand why she was so, like, embarrassed to tell Debbie these things. So I'm like, you and Debbie have schemed probably worse than actually anything you're going through. I think, I think it's because, one, it seems like she almost got out a little bit. Because she, it seemed like she had an apartment, had to move out because she lost her job. Like, it seemed like she was, like, kind of doing okay. And then the pandemic happened. And now she's, like, back in the shitter. And... I mean, there is that whole, like, Gallagher superiority that's been there since the beginning of the show where they, like, are like, oh, we're Gallagher's, like, we lie and cheat and whatever. And they use that both, like, as a justification for their shitty behavior, but also as a reason to look down on other people. And, like, we had that whole thing of, like, Mandy being, like, a Gallagher looking down on me, like, I don't think so. And Mickey being, like, uh, okay, Gallagher's are only, like, one tiny step above Milkovich's. Like, I just think Sandy probably thought that Debbie was gonna shit on her. <laughs> also, I, it's a cold slap of reality for Debbie, too, being like, when Sandy's like, you remember when the pandemic hit and I lost my fucking job and everything crumbled around me and you didn't notice? Like... Oh, yeah, because they were together before the pandemic hit. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like... I hate it, but Franny can have whatever she wants. And Debbie pulling a Frank by making it look like Franny had cancer so that she could skip the line. 
So true. Like father, like daughter. I think Debbie is definitely the one who's like, where it's like the apple did not fall. The apple fell directly below the tree. <laughs> yep. And then speaking of things that suck, um, Carl's storyline, he's still a cop. Fuck him. His partner continues to be the fucking worst thing Shameless has ever created. She's such a cunt. I don't like her. <laughs> And I'm so angry at Shameless for making this character exist. Like, this is so shitty. Every second of this is so shitty. I'm glad she fell on her little machete and, like, got hurt. That was so funny. I, like, I was so shocked at her whole scared straight part. Like, that was a bit excessive. Like, that poor fucking kid. Like, and they're, and they're making this, the Carl is the, the good, that one good cop, the one good guy that's going to work with the kids in the neighborhood. Like, you could have alternatively just not made him a cop. Or they could have made him not watch everything go down and then come after everything has died down and then be the reassuring character. Because we're just watching him witness all this shit and he doesn't say anything. And then we have to be like, oh my god, he's such a good guy for going and helping them after the other cop leaves. I'm like, say something, do something, dumbass. Yeah, literally say something. But it's like, I don't know, if you want to talk about like decent cops that the show's had, fucking talk about Tony. Like, he was kind of a decent guy. <laughs> like, Yeah, he was like, ha- he was always giving the the Gallagher's a break but again it's like the one white guy cop that they have and then like every other partner they put him with was like kind of shitty and like yeah it's like you have to wonder like if Tony would be that compassionate towards like the black families in the neighborhood I mean it seemed like he was because he was like born and raised south side but it was like you have to wonder because we never saw him interact with like other members of the neighborhood. I wish that they had just stuck with the the vigilante Carl thing that they started in season 10 because that could have been way more interesting. But like imagine Carl who probably absolutely loves comic book superheroes and superhero movies and stuff. Him being like a south side janky like green arrow would have been fucking great. But anyway, I wish that they had stuck with the Citizen Carl thing. I think Carl trying to be a vigilante would have been a way more interesting and cool storyline to watch than Carl trying to be a fucking cop. I agree. And, like, I don't want him to turn into, like, the Tony of the South Side, like, being the only cop who can just, like, kind of dismay and who knows everyone. Because I'm, like, at this point, like, I I feel like they're gonna do another thing. Like, do you think he- are we gonna get his same partner again from the title sequences? I think, yeah. Are we still gonna see her, I'm guessing? No, no, no. I think that um, when uh, Lena read the description of Carl gets one of his old partners back, I think it's going to be the guy that got sent away on the stretcher in like the first episode. Oh, the, of the, the really lenient guy or whatever. Yeah. I think he's going to come back. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Anyway, the existing storyline in this episode, Lip and Tammy. So Lip's, Lip's landlord is selling the house that he and Tammy are living in because they don't have a lease. So the landlord can just do what he wants, which we saw coming. I can't believe Lip was like, um, handshake agreement. That made me so, like, honestly, I agreed with Tammy in that part. I was like, you're a fucking dumbass, a handshake Technically, that would hold up in court, though. Remember a few episodes back when the guy was seeing all the work Lip was doing on the house and we were worried that the guy was going to sell the house and now he's selling the house? He was like, hell yeah, didn't have to do any of the renovations on my own with the money that I'm getting from Lip, so let's just have Lip renovate our house and then sell it underneath of him. At least he's gonna pay Lip for the repairs. Yeah, that is true. Mm -hmm. He did pay him. So essentially Lip just like got the money back from living there. So Lip and Tammy go house shopping and they go to a house that was apparently the site of a grisly murder that someone on Facebook actually pointed out was the foster home that Debbie lived in in uh, season three. Oh, with that, like the sweatshop lady? Yeah, like the porch is, it's the same porch. So funny. Um, 
I think I'm oh, yeah. guessing that probably is just like a set they have on uh the studio lot that they could probably oh, just yeah. go back to. Oh yeah. So the house was a site of a grisly murder, but they eventually are like, you know what? I can't hear the sound of that baby ghost crying. I don't know what you mean. We can totally live here. Personally, and, for uh, you guys, would that bother you that much? Yes. <laughs> if it was actively haunted, yes. Like, if you could hear the sound of a baby crying, that's a little too white person in the beginning of a horror movie for me. Like, that's... And, like, but then they're not gonna actually end up being able to get it because Lip loses his job and then breaks his sobriety with his sponsor. What the fuck? I've, I feel like Lip has been through way worse shit since he got sober and didn't break his sobriety. And then he was like, well. Yeah, like that moment, that moment in the finale of season 10, when it's like a very big deal. It's a very dramatic deal of him standing at the wedding, breaking his sobriety. Like, and then he immediately goes to a meeting. Like, it's an enormous big thing. And then this was so fucking casual. That, but it's also like, oh my God, bringing Brad down with him. I mean, obviously, obviously Brad could have been like, um, no, like refused it. But it was like, guys, I mean, I mean, it was like implied. Did they ever actually take a drink on screen? Not on screen, no. Okay, so like maybe it was just like implied or like maybe it didn't actually happen. I don't think we, since like he's been Lip's sponsor, I don't think Brad's broken his sobriety. We've only seen Lip do it. Uh, no, he did. Yeah, the the there was a there was a storyline. I can't even remember, but Brad broke his sobriety and Lip had to help him for a while. It was back in like season when they meet. Yeah, no, it was like it was like season eight or something or like season nine. But yeah, I mean, I'd assume they broke it, but it's like way too late. It, like if they're gonna do this, like they can't walk back on it because it's like it's way too late in the season to be like opening up new storylines like this because there's gonna be like no no good resolution. When do they have good resolution to literally anything at all? Never. Um, speaking of that, uh, the Ian and Mickey storyline, they're so in sync, even when they're bickering, it's kind of fucking, like, well, the way they both turn back to tell Debbie to fuck off, like, they were so in sync with each other. I feel like that's, like, a Cam and Noel thing and not even, like, a writing thing. I feel like they're just like, what if we were in sync? <laughs> and Cam and Noel are just, like, they've been working together for so long that they, like, just are like that, like. It's great. A little bit, yeah. My my new thing now is, like, I like to see when I can try to tell if something was ad-libbed or not, or, like, when, like, a Mickey and Ian scene or whatever, because I was watching... Which one's when they go to the border? That's season seven, right? Or season, yeah. yeah. Season, so the scene when they're, like, walking through, like, the quinceanera, and then Mickey grabs, like, the plate off the table, and he's just eating, and then he's like, good beans, though. I was like, that had to have been just Noel just, like, walking up, because you can tell the... Because the lady he steals the beans from, she, like, looks looks down and she's like <laughs> like she's so confused so like, i'm like that what? had to have been like an ad-lib thing but like all of like the way they're like together now i'm like definitely it's like cam and noel being like okay we're gonna we're gonna do this and like, yeah <laughs> and i definitely like we know they improv and ad-lib off of each other a lot and like that's where a lot of our favorite fucking galovich moments have come from like the kiss on the head and the hand on the glass and all that shit where did they get the suv did they buy the suv with the weed money Where'd they get the uh, SUV? They might have bought it used. Did anyone? Does anyone have like an SUV that we know of? Like I don't think so. It's Kevin not even. It's not even an cars. SUV. It's like a Jeep. It's not even really an SUV. It's like it's like an old Jeep. Old. But like they're Jeep. driving a car, and I'm like, where did you? Where did you get that? I mean, yeah, maybe they bought it used or 
stole it. I, I mean, they did say it was so weird. They were like, a, a, people were pointing this out where the lady when she was hiring them was like, going rate is a grand a day. And then the Milkoviches steal a grand from them. And then Ian goes, there goes our profit for the whole week. Yeah. Unless they're only doing one run a week. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, that's like, but yeah, she said a grand a day. But whatever, that's stupid shit that the writers just don't read their own writing. Um, yell- Them yelling at each other in the street, half of that had to be improv. Half of that, like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> the way they're both, like, jumping and, like, crouching, yelling at each other, I was They crying. look like Sims. They were so... <laughs> <laughs> they look like Sims. Like, if you put Simlish over that clip, it would be so funny. Oh my god, it was so fun. Like, and that was such married behavior, too. We're on parole! We're on parole! <laughs> if we had a fucking gun, like I said, we should, like, it was... It was so good. And then Frank's interaction with them at the bar. Hello, gay relatives. Hello, gay relatives. It's like, uh, so true. So true. (laughs) I like, I I texted you guys about this, but, um, I went back and I was like watching one of the episodes and it's like when Mickey and Ian are fighting and they're come down the stairs and Mickey goes, all right, who's the man in the relationship? And then everyone says Ian and then Frank goes, you are. Frank. Yeah, so true, Frank. I honestly, this is like my personal belief. I think that Frank and Mickey like fuck with each other. I think they like each other. Oh like, yeah. Even though Mickey's like, he's a shitty dad. I think he's a, I think Mickey's probably like, okay, he's a shitty dad, but a fun person to be around. Oh, yeah, like when they're in the alibi in season five and Mickey's in that, like, Hawaiian shirt and Frank's saying he lost a bunch of money. He's like, oh, misplaced a 20, did you? Like, I think Mickey gets, like, very amused by Frank. And I think Frank genuinely, like, really likes Mickey. He's like, I think he's a fun guy. Because remember that, like, post or whatever, like, comparing Frank at Fiona's wedding versus at the Galovich wedding? Oh, yeah. Frank's, like, crying at the Galovich wedding. I also love that it took exactly one bad day on the job for Ian to throw away his whole be careful we're on parole thing. He's like, love that. So true. Like, one bad day. They got robbed once and he's like, let's steal a fucking ambulance. It's like, at at, at a certain point, I'm like, okay, that's kind of not true to his character. But also, like, it is when he's with Mickey. But if he was on his own, he would be like, well... (laughs) Also, Mickey's, Mickey's God, I'm good when he hotwired the ambulance. That was hot. I'm sorry. It was hot. God, I'm good. Yeah, you are. That was hot. (laughs) (laughs) Noel just in the shirt too. Like every, it was hot. That shirt was was so tight on him. I was looking. People pointed out that that shirt, that's the shirt he's wearing uh, when Ian is in his first oppressive episode. And that's the shirt Ian is wearing at the border when Mickey crosses the border. So he's like. Give me your shirt. Give me that waffle Lynn. thermal shirt. <laughs> Lynn Paolo, my only friend. The queen. Oh we- she should just be Paolo the writer. She tells more of a story with her clothing than the writers do with their actual dialogue. I said it. But it's like it's like the clothing choices for each character just make so much sense, too. Like, it's like, when you really when you look really at it, look you're, at like, it oh, you're like, oh, oh my, oh my god, god, that, like, actually like, makes, actually a, lot makes a lot of sense for, like, who they, like, they are. I respect one woman. Yeah. Also, Ian and Mickey's entire silent eye conversation when they agree to pull over and fuck. Like, Mickey's like, that's the hottest thing I've ever heard you say. And, like, they're just, they just look at each other and they eye fuck and they don't say anything until Mickey's like, oh, hell yeah. Like, they just silently agree to pull over and fuck. That, the kiss was hot. It was a good kiss. Mickey, Ian, like, Cameron just, like, fully grabs. I think Cameron cut off one of Noel's lines. Cameron had a look in his eyes. 
He had a look in his eyes. He, like, fully just tries to, like, eat other people. (laughs) He's, like, taking- he's, like, for real, like, taking a bite. Like, if you really look at him when he's, like, when he's- when he's going in for it, he's, like, his mouth is, like, fully open. He's taking a fucking bite. I did not enjoy watching him make out with Caleb because that- because they both were so intense. Like, I could not do that. No, there- it's too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I straight up think he cut off one of Noel's lines, too, because he just fucking grabbed him, like- yeah, so I mean, go for well. They did all vote. Do you do you remember that promo video when they were like, who like it was like the shameless superlatives, like kind of like yearbook superlatives, and they all voted Cameron his biggest flirt. <laughs> I mean, he's a Leo, so it makes sense. But and Noel is a Pisces, so it made sense that he would just roll with it. So I like that. Yeah, I like that for them. but. In the show, Mickey's a Leo and Ian's a Taurus, I think. Um, okay, Mickey's Polish now? In season 10, at the wedding, at the Polish doll, they straight up say that Mickey is not Polish. Like, he's like, I'm not Polish. I don't speak that Polish. Like, he, he's not, we've said blatantly that he's not Polish. And they're like, the Milkovichs are from Poland. Like, but you just said they weren't. So what- What's the truth? Yeah, like, it was so funny to us is because, like, me and Sebastian is because, like, recently, like, since, like, we've, like, started talking again, like, so many different shows we're watching has been paralleling mine and his lives, like, just from any which way. And we were, like, the odds of Mickey all of a sudden being Polish and I'm Polish. And I was, like, this is really weird because we we saw that, like, when we heard that, we both, like, looked at each other. We're, like, He's Ukrainian. I was like, I thought yeah. they, they built that up for so long and used so uh, much of, and then for them just to be like Polish. And I was like, they're doing this for me. <laughs> According to Google, um, Milkovich is Serbian, Croatian, Slovak, and Ukrainian. In Ukrainian, just different different spellings. But anyway, at least they're not fighting anymore. And like, yeah, they found a dead body, but they dealt with it, and they're adorable, and they're married, and we love them, and they're great. Liam is baby, and I want to hold Liam in my arms and protect him forever. I literally, that kid deserves a break. <laughs> um, best Gallagher, period. He's begging them to please do something about the white supremacists that live next door and nobody is listening to him. And the fact that they were all so okay with just leaving Liam home alone. When the Milkovichs broke into their house and planted a deer head on the second floor. If they're going through all that trouble and, like, planting the deer head, like, why not just, like, kill Liam at that point? Yeah, because it literally implies that the Milkovichs broke into their fucking house. It also is such a, like, bird brain stupid thing that Shameless did that Carl's like, oh, here's the solution. I, the police officer, am going to teach my little black brother how to handle a gun. There is no way this can end badly. It was more like Chekhov's gun. I mean, it wasn't really like for that. It It was just Chekhov's gun. It was like giving a character a gun in the middle of an episode to imply that they're gonna use it later. No, but like even just anybody that wrote that script that looked down and and read it went, huh, this might not be the greatest idea that we've ever had. Like, they were like, mm, okay. <laughs> and then the fact he'd be like, keep that locked so Franny doesn't get into it. Uh, okay, you got two children you just have an accessible guns to now. Also, just literally just the writers, look at your script and say, we just had a kid that we we're building up to be a police officer in the show give a gun to a little black boy. 
We are tone deaf. We see well, nothing Well, because at the end of the day, they're like, but they're Gallagher's and they have a way of... I don't give a fuck. Enough with the Gallagher supremacy. Enough with the name dropping the Gallagher. I'm done. I can't do this. But hey, King, he did it. He shot Terry Milkovich in the dumbest fucking way possible. Like they used their entire effects budget on that goddamn shot. But Terry Milkovich is at least paralyzed. At least. Also, I think that dog might have eaten his dick. Yeah, also, I did not like that. But that was this episode, and now there's so much more misery we have to look forward to from the descriptions of the next few that you gave us. It's just like, they're they're really jumping the shark on this one, huh? But like, you know season. what? I kind of liked this episode. As much shit as we were talking about, like the Debbie and the Carl of it all sucked, but like the Lip and Tammy storyline was interesting and fun. I was still really intrigued, which I'm glad about. And even like the Kev in that too, he's like, oh, Lip, you know the story, you know, the slaughterhouse. And Lip is like, hey, Kev, maybe try shutting the fuck up for five minutes. (laughs) He's just a little himbo. It jumped out too. It was so good. Like even at one point, Lip was like, "Oh, cool. We're still going. We're still talking about this. Great. That's that's wonderful." Like he just gave up. The poor boy. So this is the longest minisode we've ever done. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we're gonna cut it down. Yeah, I'll be able to cut it down a lot. But uh, that was 11:05. So thank you all for listening to this this chaotic, fucking insane episode. Uh, I'll get. I'm. Definitely gonna get this up before a new episode of Shameless airs. You got plenty of time because those bitches only air one once a month now. (laughs) They're not even doing a whole shame in between on the Super Bowl, and it's like I get it, but it's like, come on, guys. Here's our extra, extra long minisode about eleven oh five because you know what? There's just been such a big gap in weeks that we had some time to make up for. So. That was 11.05 Slaughter, and if you guys stay tuned pretty soon, I don't know if we're going to put a gap between, like, when, I don't know if we're going to try to record a few episodes of season three and wait and then start publishing them, because I don't know if we're going to do weekly, I don't know if we're going to do bi-weekly, we're going to figure it out. But episode 301 will be up soon, the three of us are going to record it right after this. Um, Link to all of our socials is in the thing, follow us, like we had pod, like we had pod, uh, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, and... Follow Evan, follow Lena. Links are going to be in the episode description. And we'll talk to you guys all in a hot minute, right? See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. We've all been there. Someone convinces you to get into a television show with the magic words, oh, by the way, there's a queer character in it, and you're sold. Even though that queer character might not get any screen time at all, they might meet a tragic end, they might never get to have a romantic relationship, or they might just be coded queer, but then told to our faces, you're crazy, that's not a queer character, we don't know what you're talking about. Hi, my name's Amanda, and this is my podcast, Skip to the Gay Parts. For as long as I can remember, I have been a consumer of queer media through television and through film. I even went to school for filmmaking and double minored in women's and LGBTQ studies, spending most of my time dissecting queer television, spending an enormous amount of time writing papers that were far too long for very patient professors about characters like Mickey Milkovich and dissecting his uncommon thugness and his transformation as one of the most complex queer characters I'd ever seen on television. So I've put a little bit of thought into the queer characters that I watch on TV and decided it was time to record those thoughts and put them out into the world for all of you to hear. This is Skip to the Gay Parts. This is a show where we dissect queer and queer-coded characters from television shows and just honestly give them a moment to talk about them so that we don't have to sift through all of the 
heteronormative straight storylines to get to the good parts, the parts that we're watching for. We'll cover characters that are explicitly queer in their television shows, but are paid dust in screen time and storylines, such as Ian Gallagher and Mickey Milkovich, or characters that were so clearly queer-coded and used as queer bait to continue to have a fan base for their show through their finale. That's right, I do mean Dean Winchester and Castiel. And then even characters that were explicitly queer on explicitly queer shows that had confusing and honestly disappointing endings, such as Brian Kinney and Justin Taylor. And don't worry, we won't leave out the women and the kill-your-gays tropes, such as Tara and Willow from Buffy, Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder, or just the complicated and entertaining and wonderful characters such as Callie Torres and Arizona Robbins. This is just a sampling of the characters that we would like to cover on Skip to the Gay Parts. We want to hear from people too. We want to know what characters that you saw as queer-coded in your favorite show or were explicitly queer but were used for fan fodder while not actually being given the time and respect that they deserved as characters. Let's pick a character, let's pick a show, and let's skip to the gay parts. I'm Amanda, and this is the podcast.